What's happening, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to episode nine of the Carbide Podcast with John Stenberg. For those listening from overseas, you know exactly who this guy is and how fast he is on a snowmobile. But for those in North America, you may have missed or not been around for John's short but successful career here racing in ISOC. John was always one of my favorite riders to watch when he was here, so I wanted to give him the opportunity to share his story and talk about his experience as a Swedish rider racing on the world's biggest stage. I hope you enjoy our discussion. And welcome back, everybody, to the Carbide Podcast. Appreciate you guys tuning in once again. On the line tonight, he's a former factory skidoo racer here in North America. These days, he's a factory Lynx rider over in Scandinavia. He's a podium finisher, the Class of Nations, four-time Swedish snowcross champ, Mr. John Stenberg. How we doing, John? Hi there. Uh, good. Uh, thank you for having me on this podcast. Uh, I'm, I'm doing all right. It's uh, kind of like summertime here so trying to just hang out and try to get ready for another snow cross season here so awesome awesome are you uh you riding moto at all or are you just training in the off season i ride a little bit or i ride quite a lot actually but i don't race mm-hmm. i do like one or two amateur races during the summer but mostly i ride a lot because the the training, I think it's like the best form of of training for for the snowcross is to race motocross in the summer or practice motocross. So that's I ride a lot just just for that reason. And other than that, I do a lot of like cardio stuff, running. I like running and uh, yeah, you know, regular like gym exercises and stuff also. But for sure, a lot of motocross. <laughs> Awesome. Awesome. Well, John, yeah. let's, let's jump right into your, right into your career. Cause it's, it's quite the story. So let's, let's get started. Uh, yeah. what's the, what's the earliest memory you have of, of snowmobiling? Cause from what I've been able to find your, your entire family's pretty deep into it. Yeah. Yeah. I kind of grew up in kind of like the mountain area in Sweden, which we got, like, we have a lot of snow in the winters and stuff here. So it was kind of, natural for us to have snowmobiles like in the family going way back my my grandparents and everything we always been like around snowmobiles and they went out fishing and stuff and when i was a young kid i went fishing with my grandparents and with my parents later on and it's so it's we've been always been around snowmobiles and uh, it's always been in the family because of where we live pretty much Uh, so like the earliest memory i can't i can't remember but it was because i've been writing since i was so small because that's all i know basically <laughs> so yeah it was it was early we started early that's for sure awesome do you uh yeah. do you recall when you guys first started started racing yeah it was my brother actually he started uh, i think it was 2003 he started riding or racing because uh, it was actually a good friend of ours that started before him. And then he kind of thought it looked fun and stuff and wanted to try it. And my dad bought him a sled and uh, my brother and my dad went to racing. And uh, the year after that, which was 2004, I started do some racing in the junior classes with my brother. And 
ever since then i've been racing every year since 2004 so <laughs> that was the first year yeah who was uh who was faster at that time between you and your brother uh like when we were in our the junior classes uh he was faster but as soon as we got up when we were like 16 17 when we started riding bigger sleds back then it was the 440 sleds mm-hmm. uh i i got faster than him because uh i don't know i was i think i was younger and maybe crazier <laughs> a little bit <laughs> took more chances and stuff like that so that made me faster i don't know if it was better because i crashed more than him but i was faster for sure uh, so kind of bu- building on that speed and as you got quicker through the amateurs when did you first make the make the jump to turn pro over in sweden it was uh 2010 okay i'd say that was when i signed with the skidoo back here for for riding for the factory like like a factory contract deal mm-hmm. uh because in 2009, I actually won my first championship in the pro pro stock class, which is mm-hmm. pro light now. Uh, I won the Swedish kind of like I was maybe top ten, top five guy, but in the in the championship finals, everything like clicked for me, and I rode better than I had ever before. And at the end of the day, I won the championship that day. And after that. I kind of got a call from from Skidoo and the people from Skidoo and they wanted me to to race for them the next year 2010 then and uh, as a factory rider and that's pretty much when I took the jump to to actually do it more seriously mm-hmm. uh, with uh, like year around training for it and everything like that so I'd say 2010 was was the first pro year for me how old were you at this time? Because we see a lot of guys coming from Scandinavia that are that are really fast at a really young age, and and some of you guys can go pro pretty young. Yeah, I, I right now I'm I'm 30, 34. so I'm old. I'm one of the <laughs> oldest guys out there. I've been racing for a, for a while now, because mm-hmm. I I started kind of late too. I was fourteen when I first started okay. racing. Yeah, yeah, so I started pretty late. Uh, so, but now, yeah, 34. <laughs> Still going. <laughs> oh, I love it. I love it. So, you know, you signed that deal with, with Skidoo to, in Scandinavia. Did you, did you immediately start thinking of maybe trying to pursue something across the pond in, in North America? Or were you just kind of focused on, on having success there in Sweden? <sighs> For sure, I started looking at North America just because I wanted to go there and try out a couple of races, uh, which was a dream of mine. And uh, it was after the season 09 when I won the championship and when I got the sign with Skidoo. Uh, I sat down with my brother, my older brother. I have two brothers, one my, my oldest brother. Uh, and we looked at opportunities for me to go over and try out a couple of races before the season starts here because we start a little later uh, than uh, usually what you do in north america north america the racing starts in in november 
back here we don't start until january which that okay. makes room for for us to go over and do a couple races before our season starts here so basically what we did me and my brother we sat down we wrote emails to like 10 15 20 teams <laughs> in north america just telling them hi my name is john and like i i'm a swedish champion and stuff like that and just wrote down that we wanted to go there and just try out a couple of races and see if there was a opportunity for us to borrow or rent a sled for any team to go there and, and try out and then uh, that was when i got in contact with the bowerlies okay uh, the team owner there chad he he replied to the email and said for sure we we're very very interested in in uh, helping you out just to come here and try out a couple of races and see what you think and stuff so that was 2009 in the summer so 2010 the season i went there before the season started here and i was supposed to race duluth but that year duluth got canceled or i think they moved it two weekends ahead because there was no snow mm -hmm. so when i got there the first time i ever got there to race snowmobiles there was no snow at all <laughs> uh, so I, I was there for two weeks without riding pretty much nothing mm. but uh, the weekend after Duluth was supposed to be the weekend after there was a regional race at Hill City up in mm -hmm. Minnesota there uh, and they made snow they got some cold weather there and they made snow with the with the snow guns and stuff so they could do they could have a race there so I raced the regional and got on the podium. I think I got second place or something in the pro light class. <laughs> and then I went back home. So that was mm. the first time I went there to do racing. Yeah. That's, that's interesting. So yeah, you, you fly all the way over here to race, you know, one of the most iconic snow cross races yeah. in the world in Duluth and you end up racing a regional at, at Quadna instead. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> that's what it was. <laughs> oh man. Man. but you know I, I would imagine too though like even on, on you know on the long flight home you're like you know what that was that was really cool that was fun i i want to come back i want to i want to come back and try again, yeah i'd imagine yeah for sure that's that's what i felt like and then that's how it ended up being too mm -hmm. so for the next couple of years you kind of you kind of run that program where you you know, when your season starts later, you come over and you ride for Bowerly's and get some training in before the season, do some races and stuff like that. Have some success, yep. but really kind of get, get your feet wet in, in North American racing. Your first yep. kind of full season would have been 2012, 2013. How did you kind of, how did you kind of swing that deal to be able to come over here full time and race? How did that discussion start? I think it was, because. Uh, 2011 when i raced duluth the first time mm -hmm. uh, i think i may end that up on the podium i can't remember now but i i, I rode pretty good actually uh, there and, and uh, i got along good with the team and bowerlies they're amazing people and mm -hmm. uh, so we pretty much after that season i had back home there uh, 2011 we sat down and talked to them about an opportunity to race the full season uh, with help from them mm -hmm. uh, 
and I think they saw some opportunities in me. Like I, I, I showed some speed and, and good results on the races I, I've done before the, over there. So they they put together a deal for me to race the full year there, 2012. And I'm actually, I'm not sure how I ended up in points, but I, I think <laughs> I, I made it on the podium a couple of times on the nationals and I won a couple of regionals and stuff. And I had pretty pretty good success. It's for sure different to be away from home, uh, mm -hmm. especially the first year when you go there and you're going to be away from home for half a year almost uh, with new people and everything. So it's kind of like a transition that takes time. But I felt like uh, that season, uh, 2012, was, was a pretty good season for me. And I think I opened some eyes over in North America for especially for Bowerlis for, cause I went over again, 2014 and raced a full year for them also later on. So. Yeah. And it's something that I think a lot of, a lot of North Americans and even some of the Canadians don't fully understand. It's just you guys coming over. Yeah. You're, you're really good on a snowmobile, but you know, the tracks are different. The sleds are slightly different. Your English is really good, John, but you know, English isn't your first language. So there's some no. language barrier at times, you know, like it's, it's a big yeah. commitment for you guys when you come over. So when you come over and you have success on the track, it's, it's even more impressive. It's yeah. Yeah. And as you said, a lot of people don't, don't see that it's, it's a transition transition. That's pretty tough at times. Cause, uh, I had my, my, uh, you know, you have your girlfriend and everything back home and, She's at work, so she can't she she can't come as often and visit me and stuff like that, you know. And just mom and dad, everything that I've been racing with all these guys back home for many years that's helping me out. And now you're all alone, like with with pretty much strangers. <laughs> mm -hmm. And uh, yeah, even the language and stuff, as you said, I speak pretty good English. It's been a while since I spoke in English now, but uh, <laughs> yeah. but you know it's. As you said, it's it's pretty hard. A lot of aspects that people don't necessarily think of. Well, like you said, 2014 season, again, second year yeah. full-time with Bowerly's. You have some success, a yeah. couple podiums, finish eighth overall in, in pro light. And, and you really kind of solidify yourself as like a, a top five type guy. Like you're always yeah. going to be around. You're always going to be there. And then... Yeah. 2015 was a little bit surprising to me just to see you sign with Warner to go up to Pro Open. I knew you had the speed. Yeah. I just was kind of curious because I was like, he's he's right on the edge in Pro Light where he's like going to be a top guy. Like maybe, yep. maybe another year. But for you, were you ready to take that jump to Pro Open or was it just kind of like, hey, this is an opportunity with a factory team in the U.S. Like I have to do this. Um. It was kind of, I'd say, because I, for that year, going into 2015, before I signed with Warners, uh, Bowerlis were, they were saying the same thing. Like you, you have, like, you're so close to being a top guy in pro light. They wanted me mm -hmm. to race for them in pro light for another mm -hmm. year. Uh, but then I felt like. Like the second option you said, like I, I, this opportunity, 
to race for a factory skidoo team in North America. I don't know how many times opportunity like that can can come up. Like, uh, so I felt like it was a, a big step for sure, a really big step to go from top five guy in pro light to jump in the pro open over there. But I felt like the team Warnerts and and Skidoo had faith in me and and they they believed that I was. <clears throat> gonna make that transition pretty pretty good so uh, that i just i i made up my mind pretty fast there just to, to race the factory factory <laughs> skidoo sled over there <laughs> it was a pretty easy choice to be honest that's fair that's fair were you yeah. were you at all nervous going into the first round like were you did, did you feel you had the speed or were you like i, I kind of got to figure this out a little bit the first couple rounds ah uh, yeah, it took some time. It it did. I, I was nervous for sure because you line up against Tucker Hibbert and Tim Trombley and all the Russ Martin and all those guys. You know, it's mm-hmm. kind of like guys you've been looking up to since you were a little kid. I had this old old videos back home where I was watching Tucker Hibbert and all those guys, Robbie Malinowski and all those guys since I was a young kid. And now you're on the starting line with them. And you've only been racing two full seasons in pro light, and then you're on the starting line in pro open. It's of course it's it's a lot to take in, and, and it takes some time to to kind of get used to that, and especially used to the speed they have, you know. But for me, it mm-hmm. was I felt like I could run pretty close to the top right away, but it was just a lot of mental stuff that I mm-hmm. had to deal with. Uh, but now I, I don't know. It's kind of a fun experience for sure. Yeah, one of the more interesting storylines of that year, and you you, know, you just meant it, mentioned it being kind of like a a big mental thing for you that year. The original yeah. press release was supposed to be you and Johan Lidman, and yeah. Johan that would have that would have been his second year on Warner you know, couple pro open guys, yeah. he probably would have gotten a lot more of the attention and you would have had a year to kind of get your feet wet and figure it out. But ultimately, mm-hmm. I don't know the story, but ultimately Johan doesn't race for Warner that year and you are the sole pro open guy for Warner. So I would imagine there was a little bit more pressure on you that year, even though it wasn't really necessary, you know? No, yeah, yeah, I hear you on that. Yeah, that's that's how it was too. It was... Because I was like, they're their only pro open guy that mm-hmm. season, which wasn't the plan. Because, like you said, Johan was gonna race with us, and he is a good buddy of mine. And I, I was kind of looking forward to having him there, to to like mentor me, or I could, I could take a lot of help from him, because uh, he's been there a couple of seasons before. But now it turned out that his knee injury stopped him from from racing. Mm-hmm that season at all because gotcha. his bad knee injury yeah that's what it was so he ended up staying home that year and just rehabbing his knee and then they bought in brought in uh, elias issue instead <laughs> to race for <Yeah>. life <laughs> and then he he came in like a hurricane and won the first round mm-hmm. and uh, for sure like the team the focus switched a little bit from mm-hmm. uh, having uh johan as, as a big pro open guy to to having a top pro light guy 
mm-hmm. and and I was kind of like you know, supposed to be the main guy at the beginning, but then Elias did so damn good, so <laughs> he was kind of like the main guy for the team, which is understandable because he was winning. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so it's kind of like like a weird first year for me, but yeah, it worked out pretty well, I think, at, at the end. <laughs> yeah, I mean that that next season, I mean the the consistency was starting to build, the speed was getting there. Like we we saw you kind of coming into your own a little bit more in the pro class, gaining some of the confidence, and like you you made it to yeah. X Games, which must have been you know for you coming all the way over here like a really cool accomplishment for you and stuff like that Uh like are there any any other highlights you can you can share from that season that you remember yeah it was for sure x games was was one of the greatest memories from that season and finishing top five in x games i think i got on on Mm -hmm. fifth place and elias got on sixth place so it was a really good x games for us and i was super happy the team was super happy it was an amazing experience for sure and then there's a couple more highlights we went to valcourt for the the grand mm-hmm. prix race up there mm-hmm. and i got on the podium up there in the pro open class with tim tremblay and maybe it was adam renheim or lincoln i can't remember now mm-hmm. but i did pretty well up there in front of the the skidoo like the factory every top guy on skidoo like were there and mm-hmm. so that was a, a good memory from that season also and then just a couple couple times i felt like my riding was on top like couple heat races i won i think in deadwood i rode really really good i won the heat race and i qualified i think second or third into the main which was pretty cool me and i think it was me and tucker and tim i had like the fastest lap times in practice and stuff like that in a couple occasions and there was I, there was times i showed good speed and that i could be up there but just in the main in the finals i couldn't really get the whole package together to put the the, the yeah put me on the podium which is i was close a couple a couple of fifth places and stuff but there was just uh, i don't know something something a little some, little something was mi- missing and um, I don't know what really, but I was I was close to to having a really really good season. But it was I was almost there. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that like I said, that was a that was a really good season for you, like building and and putting it all together. And we could yeah. kind of see that you know in a year you were going to be a consistent top five guy given the opportunity. But ultimately, yeah. that was your last season here. And you know, for yep. for for Warner, we all we all saw the writing on the wall. Like, of course, they're going to bring Elias up. Like, of course, that's how it's yeah. going to go. But we weren't sure if there was still going to be a spot for you or where you were going to land. But did you? I mean, you had been racing in the U.S. for a number of years. Were you, were you ready to to go home after that, or did you want to stay and and still race here if the opportunity I, was there? I wanted to stay. Actually, I wanted to race more over there mm-hmm. for sure because i felt like the the 16th season i i felt like uh, as you were saying uh i took huge steps mm-hmm. like confidence wise and stuff like i i felt after that season i felt like i can be up here like if i work harder in the summer break 
I can be up there, a top competitor in this class, because now I have two seasons in Pro Open and I know what it takes to be up there. And but then, like, it was kind of up and down. Like, Warner's they weren't sure what to do if they weren't gonna have a me as a Pro Open driver for a third year, or so it kind of took a couple months after the season before they decided to not go with me. Mm -hmm. Uh, and then I had I had a contact with a couple other teams that were interested in having me, but uh, it wasn't for me. It wasn't a very good deal. Any of those teams could come up with. It was mm -hmm. gonna cost a lot of money for me and stuff, and I kind of felt it wasn't really worth it. Mm -hmm. uh, and then uh, this opportunity with Lynx. Uh, here in Scandinavia came up and uh, mm -hmm. they or, or they and the dealer in my town reached out to me and said we, we if you want to race in Scandinavia this coming season we are willing to help you with this and this and I got actually I got a super good deal a lot of good support from Lynx and from the dealer here uh, mm -hmm. and that made me uh, it made up my mind actually uh, to race here again yeah, that's that's completely fair. It's like I mentioned earlier. It's another really big point that a lot of people might miss is there's there's not a, a lot of money to be made in snowcross no. for those who are for those who are not aware. So for a lot of people, you know, they they work during the off season or some of them even work mm -hmm. a day job during the week. When you guys come over, yep. you're you're all in. You don't even have the opportunity to do that kind yeah. of stuff a lot of times. So a lot of times it comes down to hey. And, and if you got a family back home or whatever, you're like, can I actually mm -hmm. afford to go over here and race for an entire year? Or are I going to be, or am I going to be upside down? Like it really is financially a big decision for you guys. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And that's what it was too. That's why I didn't race the 17 season in the U S because I, as I said, I had the opportunity, but it was going to cost me a lot of money. And mm -hmm. I felt at that time, I felt it wasn't really worth it because if I'm not consistent top five, top three, or winning over there, I can't really afford going there to mm -hmm. race a full season. Uh, mm -hmm. So that's why I decided to be back home because back home you can still have a part-time job during the winter and stuff. And mm -hmm. it isn't as expensive to be away mm -hmm. like that. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, so yeah, I mean, yeah. You, you come back over and you kind of, you dive deep into into racing back here in Scandinavia again on a Lynx, and I mean you had success yeah. right off the bat. But kind of tell me about what your careers looked like since you since you came back. Yeah, it was uh, uh, good, really good. Actually, the year I started racing here again in Scandinavia was like 2017 and 18. I had this good, really good deal with with Lynx and. Those two years was probably the best two years I've ever had in my entire career because uh, I won pretty much every race, almost every race. I just won every race in the Swedish championship and I got third in Clash of Nations, I think. And I, yeah, I had a lot of success. I had good guys around me, guys that wanted to help me, uh, mechanics and stuff that helped me throughout the season. And, everything was just on point because I learned so much from being in, in US 
and how the mm-hmm. teams over in us works and stuff and uh so for me the season i think 17 was pretty i think that was like the the most fun season i've had i think because mm-hmm. i was back home again i was with my family i could relax uh with my buddies again and, and stuff like that and i just had fun just because mm-hmm. when you're in america racing for a factory team it's kind of it's a job and uh, mm-hmm. you do it as a job which back home you kind of can r- relax a little bit more and do it more as you wish on your terms uh, mm-hmm. and that's what it was i set up a, a good group of guys around me and did it on my terms and raced the races I wanted to race, practice the way I want to practice, did everything my way, and everything worked out so good. So 17-18, I ended up winning almost every weekend, except I was struggling in the world championships. Mm-hmm. Okay. Uh, both those years, or even 19. I think 19 was, uh, I got third in the, Swedish championship and I struggled in the world championship because that was kind of like a dip season because <laughs> I had two <laughs> great seasons and then 19 I was having a little dip we struggled a little bit with sled setup because uh, Lynx that year came up with the new skid which uh, mm-hmm. wasn't as good as the, the previous one we struggled a lot with setup with suspension and stuff throughout the whole season which kind of set me back a little bit but uh, we regrouped and then 2020 came and i actually went over again uh, to race for bowerly's at mm-hmm. the loop 2020 so i went for three weeks I, I took up contact with them again and we talked about if i could come over and do like kind of the same thing we did in 2010 and 11 because i come over and race a couple races in the beginning of the season to get ready for the season back home mm-hmm. so i went to do and there was this huge snowstorm so they yep. canceled the loop because of the snowstorm so it's kind of the opposite from 10 years back when they canceled yep. the snow so it's kind of like crazy everything so i think we did we raced friday we did the head-to-head and i qualified for the the main uh, mm-hmm. main night show and i think i ended up racing Elias the first round <laughs> and he, yeah I got second there so that was kind of the end my night ended there but then we went to the hotel and then Saturday morning we woke up and it was just yeah you know you know mm-hmm. how it was <laughs> it was bad yeah so many oh. feet of snow and stuff so they got it, it got canceled and then I went back home and then actually I was supposed to go over and race Canterbury after New okay. Year's the same yeah uh, but then when I was practicing back home around Christmas I crashed and I ended up with a broken shoulder mm. so that ended my year that or the rest of the year uh, so that was kind of a big injury I had so I couldn't race anything later on that year I was kind of rehabbing my shoulder and stuff so but then 2021 came and I decided to keep on racing with Lynx and raced Swedish championships the full year and I got third and I actually did took my first medal at the world championships that year up nice. in Romanjemi 
Yeah, so I got silver there behind Peter Norsa, and that was kind of a highlight, um, one of the highlights of my career to take a, a medal in the World Championships. So I did that 2021 and a couple more race wins and stuff, and then 2022 came. <sighs> See now, that was, yeah, I think I got third in the Swedish championship also that year, 2022. Yeah, yeah, I did. So it's basically that's how it's been. I've been racing for, for Lynx and, and the dealer here since I've got back home and a couple of Swedish championships and a medal in the world championship. And here I am now trying to get ready for another season. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, well, I mean, in, in, for me, it's it's good to see you having success back home because we we see a lot of the guys that come over like they're really dominant back home and they come over and mm -hmm. like we see it a lot in moto, not as much in snow, but like, frankly, the, the sport like just chews them up and spits them out when they're not fast enough. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. Yeah. I yeah. like when when I get to see guys go back home and like their confidence isn't hurt or anything like that. They just go home and, yeah. and go back to dominating again and, and enjoying the sport. So it's it's really yeah. good to, to hear that when you got home that you still enjoyed it, you still raced hard, and you're still winning. I, I love to hear that. Yeah. Yeah, and that's what it was too because I love the sport and I that's why I keep doing it. People are telling me I'm getting, I'm getting older and I'm up there with the oldest guys, that, you know, and uh, but I still feel like I, I'm motivated to train year round. I train a lot summertime and, and even wintertime when that comes. I don't mind putting in the work and effort to try to be up there, even though it's harder now than it was 10 years ago to stay fit and stuff. You have mm -hmm. to sacrifice more. But uh, I still feel like it's worth it because I think it's so damn fun. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well you said you're you said it a couple times john you're getting old i mean you're only 34 you said it's only you're that old but it's fair no but how many more years yeah. you got how many more years you got left in in racing what are, what are, we, are we going into our 40s what, what do we think <laughs> yeah i don't know i i kind of like the past three years i've taken one year at a time one season at mm -hmm. a time mm-hmm and this past year i got hurt again i raced only two three races this past winter because i hurt my knee mm -hmm. uh, so uh, and when i hurt my knee and missed out on the whole swedish championship and stuff i felt like ah, i need to go another year because i i i don't want to end a career with an injury i still want to go and still feel motivated to go another year but after this season i don't know well, well i guess we'll find out <laughs> After this year, we'll find out. I don't have any plans on anything. I just take one season at a time. Awesome. Awesome. Well, yeah, I do want to get into, I got a list of questions here because I've done, I did an episode with Bruce Gaspardi Jr. He's spending a lot yeah. of time over there right now. And then uh, with Kyle Sackett, who's now a mechanic for Warner. Yeah. So a couple guys that have worked with a lot of Swedish riders over the years. So I got some questions of yeah. major differences that you've seen between racing in Scandinavia and in North America. Yeah. So yeah. first one being biggest difference in the tracks in the courses that you guys ride. What's the biggest difference between the two? 
I think the biggest is, uh, I think the tracks in, in North America are, are built different because they're uh, usually tighter, like smaller, mm -hmm. not, a, they're, they're wider, they're wider, but they're much shorter. Uh, mm -hmm. Often, often here we race or often, but, but it happens when we race on motocross tracks here, they're okay. more wide open, open tracks. And in North America, they're more co compact, like um, mm -hmm. smaller, shorter, which makes mm -hmm. the racing more intense. And uh, that's the big difference, I think. Uh, the snow is different too. You know, you groom the tracks. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. For you, in North America, they groom the tracks all the time. The groomers are always out in every break. They're grooming the, grooming mm. the track and keep the snow soft. And which is here, uh, they only groom like they have a groom break in the middle of the day, and that's it. The the, 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 tra mm. the track gets rough and, and torn down, but they they leave it mostly. They leave it, and the ice edges and everything, the holes and everything, they leave it. So Ooh. it's in that sense, it's rougher. But mm -hmm. in North America, you also have more. Usually, you have more snow on the track. Which mm -hmm. is here, okay. we usually get down to ice because we don't have as much snow on the tracks. Some tracks we do, but in North America, it's always the same. You always have this huge amount of snow and they groom it all the time. So it's always soft. Mm -hmm. Whereas here, it can turn hard and like you have this ice edges and stuff, which is that's a little bit different. Are, uh, are your tracks over there, are they usually natural snow or is it all man made snow like it is over here? Uh, it's, I would say eight out of 10 times it's natural snow. Really? Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Usually when they have a race, they, they plow snow from like towns and stuff and they drive it in mm -hmm. and dump it on the track and use that dirty, salty snow, <laughs> <laughs> but there's some tracks and some, some, some areas they, they made, make snow with snow blowers, but mostly it's natural snow gotcha yeah we could we could never get away with that here in the u.s we would there'd never be enough natural snow to, to run a snow cross race. no like we always have to no. make snow yeah yeah uh, <laughs> uh biggest difference on sled setup i know you guys don't run studs but with the track being yeah. different too your suspension setup's probably different yeah for sure uh i feel like yeah there you you have to run stiffer suspension for sure here in scandinavia you can you you can't have as stiff suspension because of the how the tracks are uh, we have like we have the smaller or or smaller the bigger or more open open tracks faster tracks and not as much snow which makes more icy and harder which is like i said in us you have like a lot of just fresh powdery sugary snow and when you race in that kind of stuff you have to have stiff suspension because the snow is so soft itself <laughs> mm -hmm. so the setup it's yeah it's it's a little bit different for sure this next one it's it's pretty long i'll be pretty long-winded with it but i'm very interested on on your take on it because i come from the east coast of the united states we used to have a big, yeah. big regional series, and this is where yeah. Lincoln Lemieux, Corin Todd, Hunter Patnode, all these guys started racing over there, and eventually came out to the to the Midwest. 
and it's definitely really hurt the East Coast regional circuit. So mm -hmm. in your mind, you know, there's, I think like three or four out of the top five this year in, in snowcross are all from Scandinavia. How does all the top guys coming over and trying to race in the U S how does it affect racing back home? Or is there still a lot of talent back home that it's still really competitive for you guys, even when people leave? I mean, we can feel it of course, because uh, more and more guys are going over and more and more mm -hmm. top guys from here are going over to race in the US. And of course, it, it's affecting the racing here. Uh, there, There's, we have quite a few guys that are still here that's fast and stuff, but I feel like the top, top guys, when they go to US, it kind of takes, we can feel it for sure. I'm sure it's pretty much the same with you guys and, and the East Coast series. Mm -hmm. uh, you you can feel it for sure, but it's we we got plenty of guys that are fast here that's still here racing. But I feel like the top top guys like Aki and and Peter and yeah Elias, all those guys that are missing here, that's affecting the quality here for sure. But we still have some fast guys racing here. For how long I don't know, but <laughs> it's yeah. Yeah, it's, it's really cool every, every year to kind of follow up T towards the end of the year once the ISOC season's over and all the all the guys go back home and then you'll you'll see a couple of races towards the end of the season where like Elias or Emil Har or these guys will show mm -hmm. up to, to a weekend race and you're like, God, it would be so competitive if those guys were, yeah. were back home. <laughs> like, it'd be so cool to watch. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's always every year, like in spring when mm -hmm. the season is over over there. Yeah. Uh, you have you have these spring races here that the quality of the racing is so high because all of mm -hmm. all the guys that are coming over from US mm -hmm. coming home again to race Swedes Norwegians and Finnish guys you know it's makes the 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 last couple of races for our season here it's like the the it's like a X Games final almost because of all the guys <laughs> that are coming over or coming home to race so it's competitive for sure. One question that was not on my list, but I was thinking about as we were going through, um, like I mentioned, I did one with Bruce Gaspardi Jr. And he's making a big push right now to try and get some North American riders to spend the winter over in Scandinavia yeah. for, for Super League. And in my mind, cool. I think that would be really cool to have not just continuously pulling fast guys from over there, but also sending fast guys from here over there. Like it, it can only help the sport. I'm curious yeah. kind of your thoughts on if we got Americans or Canadians to go over there and, and maybe spend a season racing. Yeah, that'd be awesome for sure. We, we need it because it's been only like one way. It's been uh, us coming mm -hmm. to, to North America, but there's been a couple occasions, you know, when, when guys, really fast guys from U.S. has come over to race like the world championships and stuff back when Tucker was mm -hmm. racing and stuff like that. But it's like a one one weekend thing. It would be mm -hmm. awesome to see guys coming over for a whole season, Americans and stuff. That would help our series. And I think for people over here to get their eyes up for the sport more, because uh, I only see benefits. But mm -hmm. I'm sure like a lot of guys will not give up like money wise 
because all the big teams in the U.S. afford to pay the riders, which is here. It's more like a hobby, and it's hard to get mm-hmm. teams pay guys to race here, which is a problem to get, mm-hmm. I think, to get North American guys to come in over here to race. But I don't know. I Hopefully, he'll figure it out somehow to get guys racing the Super League. That would be awesome. Last one for you here, John. Who's the next big Swedish rider coming up like an amateur or a semi-pro that you're thinking this, this guy's going to be, this guy's going to be crazy fast. That's tough one. I would say I like, I was going to say Gustav Salstein, but he's already proven himself. Yeah. He's, he's going <laughs> over this year. He doesn't count. He's going over. Yeah. He doesn't count. <laughs> Cause I was going to say him. But there's there's a lot of fast guys in, in the in the younger classes for sure. But mm-hmm. I, I can't really pick one. Uh, there's a couple that comes to mind. Uh, ah, that's a hard one. That's a tricky <laughs> one. I can't really mention one right now. <laughs> uh, well, well, that sure, leaves the door sure open for. For any yeah. for any Swedish riders listening, John Stenberg is not impressed yet, so he needs to be <laughs> impressed. He need he needs you to rail right now and be super fast. So we'll just leave the door yeah, open for anybody. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> True. Oh man. Well, I'll uh, I'll leave it at that, John. I I really appreciate yeah. the time, and yeah, I know I know I was bugging you, and there's a there's a time difference, so I'm uh, I'm glad we were we were able to put this together, and it's been super cool and. Yeah, best uh, best yeah. of luck to you this season, John. For sure. Thank you very much for having me. It's been fun. John Stenberg on the Carbide Podcast. What an awesome interview. You really sense John's passion for the sport by the way he talks about racing. Whether it's his early years on a sled, all the way up to present day, where he's still killing it on the track. As I was doing research for this episode... It really is a shame that John wasn't able to come back after the 2016 season. In reality, he did everything right to be exactly where he was at, on a factory team, in the pro class, gaining on the leaders every week. He just had the misfortune of being in the seat that was promised to a rider who would become one of the greatest in the history of the sport, in Elias Ishul. I'm glad to hear that John is enjoying being back home and still loves racing. That's why we all start in the first place, right? It's just fun. Thanks again to John for the time. I really wanted to have a Scandinavian rider on the pod, and I couldn't think of anyone better. Thanks to all you listeners for the continued support. It really does mean the world. Be sure to subscribe, tell your friends, follow us on Instagram, and as always, take care.